Hi, everyone. Welcome and thank you for tuning into The Animal Files, the podcast where we expose the truth, science, and spirituality of pet care and provide you with the wisdom and tools you need to raise happy and healthy companion animals. My name is Victoria, an animal spirituality facilitator and integrative energy practitioner. And my name is Miranda, an animal health technologist and pet care safety expert. Let's dive in, shall we? Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Animal Files podcast. We have a treat for you, our first interview of season three. We are going to be talking to Sabrina Fair Andronica. She is an author and an animal advocate, and her children's books have been making some waves. And we are so excited to hear about what she's been doing, all about her books. And I'm just going to send it right over to Miranda. <laughs> Yeah, we're really thrilled to have you here today. And you've got some amazing messages that you are sharing in your books. And today we're going to be focusing on your one book called Labrador Retriever with the Blockhead. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> um, but first, I want to just give a mention. I don't know, a shout out, I guess, maybe for your, <laughs> your four doggies that you have and maybe share how they came into your life. Oh, absolutely. I just want to say thank you so much, ladies, for having me on your podcast. Uh, I already shared with you guys that I love, I love what you're doing. I'm really enjoying this podcast and it's an honor to be here. So my four doggies came into my life. Uh, they are all rescued. I was one to always purchase my dogs. We've had a few cats that we saved that were feral. So I grew up with some animals that were saved out of, you know, horrible situations or just off the streets uh, growing up. But my dogs were purchased. Actually, my first dog was my grandmother saved from Mexico. She, he was a street dog, but he, I was a little too wild for him. And I used to just, you know, I was two years old and I would like pull on his tail and, and pull on his ears. And he was the sweetest dog. And my mom felt this wasn't fair to him. So we got him a great home with a family friend. But my first, as an adult, my first dog was a pit bull who we don't know for sure, but from pictures that we've seen and people who have guessed her breed, they say, wow, she looks a lot like a Labrador retriever. So I always say she's a pit lab. And she came into my life, my friend was fostering her and her six puppies. And she had a fear of pit bulls before going into this this journey of hers, but she really wanted to see if she can fight her fears by saving this dog and her puppies. And within a couple of days, she was just in love with this dog and she re, you know, rethought all the things that she heard about these dogs, you know. And I met her, this dog and her puppies, and I was just, I was in love with her and I, I knew that I had to have her once the puppies got adopted. So she came into my life and I learned a lot about these amazing dogs. And I also learned about what they go through as far as, you know, this negative reputation that they unfortunately have. So I, I'll get back to her later. 
My two other ones, um, they were in a neglectful situation living in a backyard. And uh, they're, they're little dogs, a Puggle and a Jackawawa, which is a Jack Russell mixed with a Chihuahua. And they're senior dogs. One is 14 years old and the other one is like 10, 11. And yeah, they were living in horrible circumstances. And I had a agreement with the owner and they surrendered them to me and my partner. And they are living the great life now. Awesome. Uh, they do have mm-hmm. some emotional problems just because of how they were living, but we're getting through them and they're doing wonderfully. My fourth dog we've had for six months. I met her volunteering at a no-kill shelter and I fell in love with her the first day I met her. And she is either <laughs> a Staffordshire Terrier, American Staffordshire Terrier, or Pitbull. We don't know for sure, but all I know is she is the sweetest soul Aww. that I've ever met. And she is now my ambassador for when I do any in-person visits where I go and read my books to camps and uh, shelter programs and schools and all that. So I it's love been that. quite the journey. Yeah. And I love their names too. They have Thank the coolest you. names. They do. <laughs> I, I, I love human names for, for uh, dogs or animals yep. in, in general. I think it's the Same funniest here. thing. Yep. And so my partner, he named our boys, Carlos and Steven, and it just stuck. And I said, that's hilarious. And anytime we're at the park, people start laughing. And that's how we start a conversation. <laughs> and then my girls, Giselle, I've always loved the name. And she really, she really does look like a mom. She's so beautiful. So it fits her well. Shakira, that was the funniest name because I was trying to figure out, I'm all about whatever their name was. I want to change it when they go into their new life um, because it's like leaving that past behind and starting on this new road. And so her name was Breezy, which was adorable. But I remember playing Shakira one day in the kitchen and she came in and she's wiggling and I said oh my god you look like you're belly dancing you look like you're dancing and I said how funny would that be anytime people hear it they love it and they get it right away I also looked up the meaning of the name and in Arabic it uh, the name means thankful grateful and she is so thankful and she looks at me every day and thanks me for rescuing her so it was a it was a <laughs> it was a name made for her that's mm. awesome that's so amazing yeah I, I've named all my animals human names <laughs> I love it I do I love it <laughs> and we believe that animals find us for a reason and it sounds yeah. to me like maybe on some level, they knew that you were going to have the patience and time to work with them with the different yeah. traumas that they've had experienced. Yeah. And they've helped me through my traumas. I, I really do believe that they came into my life for a reason, no doubt. So mm. absolutely. So we help each other. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how did your strong connection with animals develop? And how did it end up leading you to giving your support to them and to create more awareness, compassion, and understanding? Great question. I have always been an animal lover ever since I was a little girl. I didn't like when my parents killed bugs. <laughs> I, um, you know, I mean, a lot of even adults, you know, is the dog die in the movie? I mean, there is a website, does the dog die? Uh, just so we can find out. Uh, I've always had such a sensitive spot for animals. And I was actually one of those children that asked hard questions, deep questions, 
And I think if YouTube was around when I was around that age, six or seven, I might've been one of those kids that ask, how does our food get on our plate? I also asked that question, what does it mean for a dog or cat to be put to sleep? These are really hard questions for parents or whoever is watching over those children to answer. And mm. so as I got older and you're aware of all these things that really take place, you were told lies and then you've discovered the truth. Well, I wanted to make it easier for parents to answer these questions truthfully. And I wanted to do it in a way that doesn't traumatize the child. I wanted to do it in a way that is kid-friendly, in a way that they understand and how that it can pack them for the future. Because in order for us to see a more equal and compassionate world, I think it starts with children. And so I have hope for future generations if they discover more books or films with meaningful messages mm -hmm. that really target compassion, awareness, and education. So I wanted mm -hmm. to mix my love for writing and transform it into my passion for animals and helping them be treated better than they are now. That's so beautiful. that is really, thank you. That's what really sparked these books. Mm. Have you found that um, schools have embraced these books and wanted to maybe include them in their libraries or anything? Yeah, I've been doing more shelter so I remember looking up last summer, I looked up summer camps for animal lovers and I came across so many local places, places not, you know, that were out of state, but Zoom came, <laughs> came in handy with those. And I just wanted to approach them first because you know already that you have kids who love animals. So I started with them just to kind of get this experience and gain confidence because it's hard when, <laughs> you know, children are a very um, <laughs> brutally honest audience. Very. <laughs> so I really wanted to practice with, with children that already had a mindset that I have, you both have, and that's a love for animals. Obviously, they're in a camp that's dedicated to animal lovers and animal awareness mm -hmm. and how we can be kinder to them. So it's been great so far. And I just wanted to gain the experience and also on my resume before I start approaching schools. I actually did two schools, but that was already through a shelter program. The person recommended to a teacher and that's how that happened. So I haven't mm. approached schools yet, but my goal is to really try to get these books in some sort of, you know, any sort of um, curriculum would be wonderful. That's the goal. But, you know, mm. we'll see just, you know, if it's me visiting and reading. <laughs> I agree. It would be really great to be able to have a program in the school where it's actually part of the curriculum. And it's oh, something I would like to get great. involved in as well. Yes, yes. And I actually was supposed to be part of this program that is a breed discrimination, uh, just, you know, education program. And we're supposed to still do that. There were some, you know, issues through COVID and all that, but I plan to do some, some stuff with them as well, because we have a very, very like-minded approach on our education. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll, <laughs> we'll definitely be adding your books to our reference page. Uh, oh, links to them you. so thank you so all of you guys out there just check our show notes when you get a chance and all the links will be there to our websites and to her and we'll definitely have it on the website as well so mm -hmm. awesome thank never you so fear. much never fear 
We'll do a weekend to help. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> you kind of, I think, talked about it a little bit, but can you share how you developed your book brand? Yes. I started with my first book. I was going through a time where I was trying to do a collaboration with a couple in Germany about their dog who passed, but who was a very heroic character just as she was and she had three limbs but she was fearless and she was just full of life and I thought that would be a wonderful book especially to get into hospitals with children who are struggling with the loss of a limb or just any kind of illness and I wanted to you know make these kids happy with a book of a true story of a dog who despite what she went through she she still enjoyed life and so when I contacted this couple, they, at first they wanted to try the idea themselves. And then they approached me a few months later and we did this collaboration and everything was working out. They had the idea and then I wrote it and they kind of betrayed me in the end. They wanted to take my name off the book and put it in small print on the inside. And I realized that I had to distance myself from them and just let the project go. And that was really hard because at that same time we lost our French bulldog suddenly. Mm -hmm. So I was so distracted with that. I didn't really have much time to mourn his loss. So when I realized I was ignoring that, I sat down and meditated and I thought what it would be like to reconnect with him again. And we all know the famous story if you're a pet lover, the rainbow bridge, mm -hmm. pet heaven. And it's a very no matter what you believe, it's a very comforting story. Oh, totally. It's what we, it's what we really, really hope exists, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's all you can say is just, we're hoping it exists. And I remember just envisioning how I would want it to be when I go there one day <laughs> and I realized I had my first book. So not only did I come up with my first book, but I started to believe in myself because I always thought I needed to do a collaboration with someone to publish a book. And it was in that moment that I realized I can do this on my own. So I started that book and I quickly realized I loved it so much, especially after it was published that I wanted to make this a brand. And so I started writing about tough topics that needed to be addressed. And I just kind of took off from there. Yeah, it's so needed so, yeah. in this day and age. There's so many yeah. beautiful, cute little books about animals, right. but there's right. no cute little books about animals that really, I mean, there are some out there, but right. that right. really touch on the topics that, you know, I, I think children need to know. I mean, especially the whole Rainbow Bridge thing, you know, how yeah. many of us have heard either our parents or somebody else's parents say to their kids well we sent your puppy up to a farm you know that's right, so cool right. that is so right. cool not only yeah. you're lying to your kid right, but you right. are not letting them grow into a fully rounded human and so we have people nowadays that have never experienced death exactly. because they were told it was something else and then they can't handle it as adults right and right. it's so important that books like yours get out there um on all these topics because kids are not stupid kids are really right. smart and they need they to be are. taught yeah appropriately Absolutely. that's my that's my opinion <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I've been fortunate enough to receive emails, the families 
contacting me and, and telling me that the story in particular not only helped their child, but, uh, you know, the parents writing the email. And so it's very comforting that it's helped adults cope as well yeah. as children. That was the whole goal behind my book. You know, I'm always asked, what age range is it? And I said, well, I informally say all ages. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's for all ages because I have plenty of adults who have purchased my books. They don't have kids. Maybe they have a niece and nephew, but they don't have kids and they have it on their coffee table. <laughs> you know, they keep it there. And it's like, that was my goal for it. It's it's written for children. It has the beautiful, colorful illustrations that my amazing illustrator did. It has the whole rhyming aspect to it. So every part of it rhymes. So then it's catchy for the children to remember, yeah. but it has adult messages in it as well. And uh, it's hard to retrain adults. So I tried to tell it in a way that was not forceful and shoving stuff down their throat, but whatever they take from it, hopefully it, it opens their mar- their their mind and changes their hearts. That's right. awesome. It's wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get into the writing process? It's something that I, from what I understand, is kind of deeply ingrained in you, I think. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's funny. So my dad, he was a screenwriter. So I grew up with a father who was always writing and books are very different than than screenplays. But he taught me how to write my first screenplay at seven years old. Of course, he assisted me quite a bit on that. And it's like seven pages long. (laughs) And I was also homeschooled. And a big part of my schooling was reading and writing. So I was always given exercises you know, joyfully, not forced to, to read and write. And it was actually a subject that I was best in. So I I really enjoyed it. But then I, around my teen years, I started to just have a natural love crave craving for poetry. And my dad then shared with me, my grandmother, his mom loved poetry. And then I started reading her stuff and I was like, wow. So I don't know, is it genetic here? Is it environmental? Maybe it's both. But I realized later on that I could mix my love for writing and poetry, that art that I love so much, into my books. So it helped that I had some experience as a child, but also maybe genetically. I, I don't know, but I mm. I do love it and it comes naturally for me and it's, it's great. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Math, not so much. <laughs> calculators are all over my house (laughs) old-fashioned ones ones on my phones it's horrible (laughs) but reading and writing all right here we go (laughs) so when you're going through the whole process of coming up with your ideas creating an outline putting it all together and everything like that what do you find is your favorite process my favorite process is when I realize I have a beginning middle and end but Mm. I also like to break the rules if there are any really (laughs) I sometimes I have the ending but I don't have the middle or I have the ending and middle but I don't have the beginning (laughs) and I kind of sometimes just work backwards there's so many people that say they have writer's block and I get that from time to time very much so but I sometimes feel if I sit there and I just kind of go with it 
the words start coming and I don't know what happens. It's just, I'm not staring at a blank screen anymore. So mm -hmm. I feel like you just gotta sit there and trust it because you already have one part of the story engraved into your head and now you just have to tell it. Mm -hmm. So that's probably my favorite process when I realize I have all three and now I just have to find the words and the rhymes which slows me down quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, especially because I'm very meticulous on just the rhythm of it. You know, I don't want it to be like 27 syllables and then seven syllables on the second <laughs> line. I, I really, wait, wait, where'd the rhyme go? So yeah, it could, it could be a longer process because of that. But to me, it just, it makes it more like a song and that's what's important. I, yeah. You know, I, you know, that especially for children's books, they just remember these phrases when they rhyme. Mm. So it's very important for me. I can't get rid of that. I don't think I ever will, especially for this brand. If I switched over to books for adults, yes, but for kids, I'll always stick with the rhyme. That's probably why Dr. Seuss did so well, because it's, like, I know, even as yeah. you get older, it's like, you can remember the little ditties. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. People say these quotes. I see them all the time on Twitter and Instagram, Dr. Seuss quotes. And, you know, he doesn't even have the best reputation anymore, but people still share his quotes. Exactly. <laughs> the author himself. So it's like, well, so it's still working for us. Well, the one thing about that, I just, you, I just, you just reminded me. Yeah, Dr. Seuss has had this, I guess, shift. But it's right. really only because a couple of books out of like, how many did he write? I know. So when we go That's back to saying. like yeah. Pitbulls and just dogs mm -hmm. in general, it's the, the very few that change it for the rest. Absolutely. And I think that, yeah. That's the thing I think we need to keep in mind that, you know, when it comes to anything, one person should not destroy the reputation of a thousand. No, you know, and, and like one yeah. book shouldn't change the reputation of like a hundred, Yes, you know, yes. one dog Agreed. after a million, you know, it's like, right. I think that we have to keep that in mind that we have to use our own discernment and we have to treat all of these animals as individuals because they are individuals. Absolutely. Yes. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, progressive states are assessing, I don't even like to use the word judging, but assessing these dogs based on their individuality regardless of their breed and that's how it should be yeah. because that's the mindset we try we try to have with humans and we should mm -hmm. have that same mindset with these poor dogs it's yeah it's just unbearable what they go through and um you know it's there's quite a few ways to make me cry but they are <laughs> i mean i just uh, they're very, very dear to my heart. I've learned so much about them in the last few years, especially with my own personal experiences and not only through my books, but having to bully breeds. And, you know, just, just alone when I, when I came up with the idea for my third book, it was because my own experience taking my dog to a park where people were afraid of her, even though at the time I just recently lost my Pomeranian 12 and a half years my baby we would go to the park together and you can see clearly this pity is not vicious if she's with this Pomeranian yeah. who they don't know controls her <laughs> to death I mean it was constantly if she came by her food she would go yeah sound like a broken something small yeah and then she would just kind of tippy toe away really afraid of her 
So just using that alone, like you can see this dog is not vicious, but I remember one guy in particular, he's like, oh, what a sweet dog, she's pretty. What's her mix? And I, I said, I don't know, I think she's like bully breed, pit bull and, and Labrador retriever. And, oh, that's why she's calm and sweet. She's a Labrador. I went, no, I don't think so. I didn't say mm. that, but in my head, I'm like, why does it always have to be that, you know, the Labrador retriever is the angel and the, the pit bull is the devil. It's, that's not the case. Yeah. I've had a golden retriever. Um, and I don't like to say it came out of nowhere, but it really did because I saw his mouth moving and my Pomeranian was next to, to him and I reacted quickly enough to pull her away. But yeah, that dog could have easily killed my little one. But again, it was ignored. No one even saw it happen. But if it were a pit bull, unfortunately, it would have made the news. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just the attempt alone. And mm. I've, I've, I've spoken with journalists and they've admitted that the headlines of an article don't get as many clicks if it says dog attack in park or dog attack to human or animal or whatever it may be. But if it says pitbull attack, mm. it's going to get more interest. Oh yeah, it'll probably go viral. That's, That's the thing. So hard. Yeah. The more sensational, the better. Yeah. And I had an incident, I've had a few in my life with Giselle, especially because I've had her longer. I've had her three and a half years. And I remember one time there was a Maltese who just kept going for her face, just biting her face. Now, of course, this dog really couldn't hurt my, <laughs> my dog, but it was the sheer fact alone that this dog is going to attack her for no reason. They were just around the same grass and I'm trying to get the owner's attention. And then eventually I call them and I said, can you get your dog? You know, because he, he won't stop. And I just can only imagine if my dog followed through with a bite how all of that would have been left out yeah. of the article. Mm. It would have been vicious dog attack to poor Maltese and it was brutally killed because yeah. of this horrible yeah, dog. When the Maltese was the aggressor. Yeah. And it happened with a Jack Russell. It was my Jack Russell was attacking my Pomeranian and beautiful story and true. Giselle came right in the middle and just allowed the dog to bite her face until the owner and I can break it up. She didn't mm -hmm. bite back. She didn't do anything. She just ran in the middle and let it happen yeah. just to protect her. You don't hear those stories though. No, no. I believe that there is, can be a lot of aggression among the smaller dogs. And I think that it may have a lot to do with how they are treated, Yeah, you know, cause I think there's this mindset of a lot of pet owners. Oh, my dog is small and I don't really need to train them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Or they'll treat them like they're a little toy and want to carry them yeah. all the time or something like that. I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's crazy. And so I think the idea came from seeing how people reacted to Giselle. And I just sat there and I went, I wonder if she were a shapeshifter, if that would mean anything. <laughs> if she could change into a popular dog with just a snap of a finger, whether it be a French bulldog or a Labrador retriever or, or a Labradoodle or any one of these really in-demand dogs right now, would that immediately change how somebody approaches her or if she approaches them how they act with her i would say a hundred percent that's the problem and that's so glad that's that we're problem. adding you to this series that we're doing on these <laughs> triples because 
Yeah. It's, I get so frustrated when right. I hear some of these bad things about pit bulls. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. where are you getting your information from? Like, seriously, right. where are you getting your information from? Do you have personal experience? Right. Well, if you have personal experience, that was one dog. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's so true. And I volunteer at the same rescue I got Shakira from. And there's a volunteer there. Bless her heart for going there and dedicating her time to working with dogs. She will go in the kennel with dogs who have a bite history. And these aren't, even though chihuahuas can do <laughs> some harm to your hand or feet. Mm -hmm. These are big dogs. I forget exactly what the dog is. It's like from the shepherd family, dogs they use in the police academy. She'll get in the kennel with them and work with them with treats and all that, which I think is dangerous, but she'll do that, right? But then when it comes to the bully breeds there, she will not even give them the chance. She will not walk them. She will not do anything. And so Shakira was actually a dog that was always placed on the front kennel of the shelter because anytime they had a an adoption day event, she was the dog that people went up to because Shakira immediately goes up to the kennel. She starts licking the bars <laughs> and then she would do anything to try to, you know, receive pets. She would wiggle, she'd wag her tail and she's just, her energy alone is so full of love and anyone that can read energy and doesn't listen to what they've heard in the media about these dogs, just give her the chance. They say, oh my God, this dog is full of love. So I remember when I adopted Shakira and I brought her back for a volunteer event, uh, all the volunteers got together and they were seeing Shakira for the first time in months and she looked healthy and happy. And this woman was telling me why she wouldn't pet Shakira, this volunteer. And, oh, because, well, the, the way they are bred, they are fight and this. And I went, rather than what you heard, look right in front of you. It's the personal experiences rather than what you've heard or, or even if you have had a personal experience with a dog to, who has done something scary or horrible. That's not every dog. Yeah. Mm -hmm. These dogs are not the dogs they were 200 years ago. And let's be reminded that humans are the ones who did that to them. Mm -hmm. We have evolved. Here? And so have these Here. dogs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're not the same anymore. We keep you know, progressing, we, we are getting better. We're going backwards in some ways, but we're getting better in so many other ways. And so are these animals and they deserve that respect mm -hmm. and that chance. And yeah, unfortunately, my partner just had a recent experience. He got bit in the face by a husky. Oh. Uh, I only mentioned, I was debating whether or not to mention the breed because I feel like that all then falls into breed discrimination. But I say it because I want everyone who's listening to know that we do not think ill of these breeds after mm -hmm. this whole encounter. It was horrible. He ended up in the ER with 25 stitches in his chin. It actually went through, the bite went through his mouth. Oh. And it happened with a dog that we were trying to help who, let me put this out there, came from a very abusive lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Not so much his owner but she was in a very, very unhealthy criminal world where the boyfriend was abusive. So mm -hmm. this dog did, didn't just react. He was triggered by men. We didn't know that much about it at the time. And so, yes, it was out of nowhere. I, I, I know nobody can see me, but I'm doing quotes. Yeah. <laughs> out of nowhere. <laughs> but I, I do want to put out there that my boyfriend is is such a animal lover and act is like myself mm. that the dog 
was not euthanized. We made sure we did everything for that dog not to be taken into like authorities or anything like that. He is now with somebody and he's living a very healthy, happy lifestyle and a good environment. Oh, yes. That's awesome. So that's wonderful. Um, I did want to share though, when we, when he went to go get the stitches removed, the person at the front desk asked uh, what kind of dog. And he said Husky. And she went, not even a pit bull. <laughs> and I told him, I said, thank God I was not there. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I would have been, especially given the circumstances. It's a very stressful time. It's horrible. I don't know if it would have been that <laughs> patient. <laughs> with, with, with I'm remark. with you on that one. I yeah. wouldn't have been able to keep my mouth shut. I, so kind of <laughs> I can't, I can't with ignorant remarks. You know, I say this and not a lot of people like to talk about it. But it's so true that you are lying to yourself if you truly believe that mindset is not carried on to how you view people. Mm. And it's something that we don't want to admit. But if you are walking down the street on the sidewalk in the opposite direction of a people and their person, their owner, and you believe what you hear in the media or whatever, right? Or you've had a personal bad experience with this kind of dog. You may cross the street. <laughs> you are in full denial if you feel that way about a certain person, whether what, what they look like, where they come from. If you've heard bad about them, if you were, you know, raised to think a certain way about someone and there's a human being, you will cross the street. Or if you don't cross the streets because you're guilty, because you know you're feeling these ways this way. And we are judgmental people by uh, creatures by nature. And so the best thing you can do, my advice to you, because I, I it happens with me, is address it. Admit that it's happening. And then instead of like getting so upset at yourself that it's happening, just try to fix it. Try to have a, an open mindset and realize that this mindset is the true danger to society for humans and animals. Absolutely. And when we get rid of this mindset, when we work on improving this, I really feel like we can have a more equal and peaceful earth. Yeah. We I just have to not have a backwards mindset where we're saying we're right. doing one thing, but we're not, we're yep, actually doing exactly. the opposite. <laughs> hypocrites. We can't be hypocrites. No, we cannot. <laughs> yeah. It's just not right. It's not. And that's why I'm so passionate about this because people will attack these dogs and, and I'm like, well, then I already know how your mindset, what, how you think. And it's not a good mindset to have. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I want to repeat that these dogs, <laughs> their reputation is because of humans. Yes. We yes. destroy these animals. Yeah. The animals do not come bad. There is no, no bad animal. We make them bad. Right. And they're very pleasing dogs. So they will do what they have to do to please you. Yes. Even if that means hurting themselves or hurting someone else. Yeah. They're very loyal. And I truly believe if you put any dog in a situation like, you know, he's trying to redeem himself, but a Michael Vick situation, if you put any dog through what those dogs went through, if you read the details of what those dogs went through, it will make you sick. Yeah. It will make you sick. Put any dog in that situation. Put the, the loving Labradoodle in that situation. Anybody who's in abuse in a, in a horrible environment and they're physically being beaten, emotionally, mentally, you think you're going to walk out of there okay? No. You're not. But these dogs, they attract 
people who love to look tough and look strong because yeah yeah, these dogs are not for the faint of heart they Mm -hmm. are a courageous looking dog and they are also very courageous and so if you have a certain reputation that you want to carry you know to have then yeah you're gonna be attracted to these dogs and you're gonna have them for the wrong reasons you're gonna crop their ears you're gonna crop their tails you're gonna make them look intimidating in whatever way you can and that's just not right for family loving dogs pit bull type dogs that are so good with children and so good in families and that's why I love that my dog Shakira is my ambassador whenever I go to a place in person uh, at San Diego Humane Society I had a visit with them I read my book Labrador Retriever the Blockhead and she was used as the dog for an example of how kids should properly approach or let a dog approach them Mm. And she did wonderfully and she changed a lot of hearts that day. She did. Yeah. Mm, That's awesome. It's great that the, that her temperament is that way because she is truly a teacher. She is. She is. You know, Marin and I talk all the time about how animals can be our greatest teachers. And there are some special animals out there that really, really toe the line as far as educating people because of their sweet nature, you know, and that like some of these animals, they're like born to be therapy dogs and service dogs. They are just there to teach and to just be for us. And yeah, that's, that's, I couldn't agree more. I feel such empathy for all the animals in the shelters. And I know when I walk a few dogs, some of them are, and I hate to say it, some of them are broken. Some of them don't, they can't look at you in the eye. They don't trust, they have issues. And when I would walk Shakira, I would see this special soul that nothing got to her. The way she got there was horrible. She was dropped off in the parking lot. And if you're familiar Mm -hmm. with Los Angeles, California, Woodland Hills along Ventura Boulevard, it is an extremely busy street, and this is where this no-kill shelter is located. So any dog that gets out of the location could easily get hit by a car. So this family just dropped her off in the parking lot, and she ran up to the two guys there who, who worked there, and they looked at each other. Who's this dog? Do you know this dog? Kind of fearful of like, oh my God, you know, who's this dog? And she just went up to him, started kissing them and loving them, and they knew right away, like, oh, this dog is great. and. You know, the manager, she was chipped. So they did end up calling the family and seeing why was this dog dropped off. And it was because she was moving. They were were moving. And it most likely had to do with BSL. And it's Mm. because so many places will not take a bully breed or certain dogs that are on the list. And and then it forces these people to get rid of these dogs. Uh, You know, I'm not perfect, but I was in a, I'm not perfect at all, but I was in a tough situation where I had to move quickly and I did everything in my power to make sure that this dog was not leaving my life. She was not leaving me. She is, she is my, my girl. And so I found a place. The landlord is amazing. He loves them. He's so wonderful with them. And I, I know I scored on that, but it's because I didn't give up. Yeah. I really feel like I manifested this and spiritually or however you view these kind of things, I made it happen because I put the work into it. I'm like, all right, you find a place that doesn't take this kind of dog. Well, find another place. Keep looking. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I know we have busy lives, but if you love your dog that much, are you willing to just 
get rid of them. And I had a very short time span. It's not like I had all the time in the world. And it was after a very horrible tragedy in my life. I wish more people would do that. Right. There's so many people that just toss animals because of something like like their pants or I mean, yeah, it's it's so wrong. It's It's so wrong. They would never do that to you. They would never do that to you. So why do that to them? You know, you want to be put in their position and and just imagine what that would be like to one day have a loving bed and the next day be in a kennel because of how you look. I mean, think of that. Just that statement alone, it's so backwards. And the fact that this is... Any of us, if we choose to take responsibility of an animal into our family, into our lives, that responsibility lasts the lifetime of the dog or cat or bird or whatever whatever animal it is whoever you brought into your home you choose to have an animal you have chosen to take care of that animal for its life because they may only be in your life for a small amount of time but you're in their life for their entire life so we have to as just animal advocates we have to help people understand that animals are not throwaways no and their responsibilities you donate <laughs> their responsibilities yeah. like having a kid you don't just have a kid yeah. willy-nilly no you plan for no. it even if it's an accident you have nine months to plan for it you know it's- <laughs> <laughs> absolutely it's true <laughs> plan for your animal it's true i always say though an animal is a child who never grows up yes. because even that child when they reach 12 years old they can start cooking for themselves like maybe they can stay home and watch tv while you go out you can't do that with a dog no so these are children and they they depend on you and we can't let them down if we say we are truly pet lovers animal lovers or however you identify you know mm-hmm. and um so yeah i just i think it's not fair that these dogs are banned in certain states not so much states anymore but more so countries yeah Yeah. and especially because in the uk they're banned and that's sort of where you know pit fighting bull baiting started yeah and um it's like okay so now you ban the dogs 200 so years later it's like come on man we can do better so I don't know. Yeah, Miranda and I had had conversations. I think UK is trying to mend their ways a little bit. Good. good as good. far as legislation is concerned and animal welfare, I don't know Great. if it's reached the pit bull breed yet, but yeah, they will. It'll get there. It'll get there. Yeah, Colorado's improved yeah. immensely. I mean, that was a state that had a horrific incidents happened with the state just pulling yeah. family loving dogs and euthanizing them for absolutely no reason and if you ban a dog that makes them more taboo which makes them more popular which makes you have more of a problem so all you legislators out there if you (laughs) ban a breed you're just perpetuating the problem absolutely you're starting Mm -hmm. more trouble people love the trouble they love the uh, it it just feeds itself and all for the for the bad so Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it needs to change. Yeah. And I think we need to emphasize the fact that pit bulls, the term pit bulls is not actually a breed. No. Yeah. And that's what a lot of people think. Oh, a pit bull is a breed. It's like, no, it actually, there's yeah. a bunch of different breeds that fall under that label. Right. And that's all it is. Right. It's a label. It doesn't really mean yeah. anything. No, 
So, you know, it's like, we've got like, I think there was what, five or six different ones that fall under the actual pit bull breed and right. then, or pit bull label, I should say. And then there's uh -huh. like 12 or something that fall under the bully breed label. Yep. But yep. there's a lot of dogs that are being mistaken yes. as a bully breed or a pit bull just because yeah. of their blocky head. <laughs> yes, the blocky head. The blocky head is the troublemaker. I mean, it's so funny because I'm following a rescue. I think it's a rescue or a person who fosters. I forget. I, I do follow a lot of the, that kind of genre. So I remember there was this dog. And I would have sworn if you made me guess, oh, definitely a pit or mixed with a pit. Hmm. And the post said, are you ready for the DNA results? And then you slide to the left. There was no bully breed, not even one percentage, 1% of bully breed in this dog. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yet you would have fooled me and I'm around so many bully breeds because... <laughs> This that's who show I you. walk when I yeah it's like when I go to the shelter I'm like give me you know and I love all dogs don't get me wrong but I know I I, I try to give my time and dedication to the ones that I know are struggling and not deserving the equal treatment yeah. that they deserve so again the, the dog in the post would have fooled me I would have said eh, okay American Pitbull Terrier yeah. no nothing nothing of the sort so how wrong is that is that that dog could have been euthanized if it was in a, a state or country that this dog is not allowed yet they're super sweet and they're wiggling at the t at the kennel looking at you and yet let's put them to sleep yeah, yeah. it's like that old that old adage don't judge a book by its cover right because you don't right. really know what's in between or what's in the, yeah. the covers kind yeah. of yeah <laughs> it's so true yeah that's the thing that i just like don't judge a book by its cover it's funny you mentioned that because the concept that i really wanted to convey and in the story lavender retriever with the blockhead for anyone listening who doesn't know what it's about it's about a homeless pitbull who cannot be accepted for who she is everywhere she goes she receives malicious looks and she doesn't understand yeah. why because all she wants to do is give love to someone who's willing to give it back Mm -hmm. So she's a homeless dog. And even though the story is fictional, it's very fairy tale like I wanted this part to be realistic. Would a dog know Halloween? Would they know the, the breed Labrador Retriever? Would they know that? No. So on a night where she sees these children changing the appearance of how they look, it makes her want to do the same. Mm -hmm. And obviously we know it's Halloween. So the day after Halloween, she goes into her usual alley, into a dumpster looking for food, and she finds a mask of a well-liked dog. The mask happens to be a Labrador retriever. And so she wears it with the hope of finding her forever home. And that is the description that's on the back of the book. I wanted to mention that I have been personally attacked on Amazon I am still trying to figure out with different sources, we, we all are, if these are fake reviews, because that happens, unfortunately, with a lot of products, especially if they all are submitted on the same day, or if they are truly anti-bully breed, anti-pipple minions just coming in and stating what they feel about these dogs. Nothing to do with my book. 
every single one-star review on Amazon that I'm dealing with right now is not a verified purchase. Everything they're mentioning in the review has absolutely nothing to do with my book. They are accusing me of calling this dog a Labrador retriever, claiming that shelters do that in the hopes of getting these dogs adopted when they don't do that. They don't call a pit bull a Labrador retriever. They hardly even say it's a lab mix unless they truly believe it is a lab mix. But they will say what the other side is because they're not going to trick people into here is pit bull and, you know, just so you know, this is what you're up against. Like, they wouldn't do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of shelters will say terrier dogs or or something mm-hmm. to that effect. They will never lie. And if they're lying, they're lying. They're trying to protect these dogs. But that doesn't mean that they're trying to put humans in harm's way. Anyway, so that's what I'm being accused of doing. <laughs> I am pushing this propaganda that, you know, this dog is be ca- being called a Labrador Retriever when it's like, it's the mask. Mm-hmm. The dog is wearing a mask of a Labrador Retriever. One person even said she's calling it America's number one family dog. They spelled America wrong, by the way. I just had to throw that out there. Oh, fake. I got to throw that out there. But they also said that I'm calling this dog, the pit bull, America's number one family dog. And if you read the description right, I'm saying now she's given the chance to be America's number one family dog. So again, they skim through the description. Maybe they'll look at two pages of the book and then they'll Mm. make their assumption from there or they'll just look at the title. And to me, any kind of press is good. Even if my book went down to half a star, I mean, I could be the most hated children's book and I'll get onto a new show. It's, (laughs) they're not going to hurt me and they're not going to chase me away of fighting for these dogs. I will do it for the rest of my life. Yeah, good for you. I think when you try to have a voice and speak about something that is important, that's when you get targeted with these various opinions. (laughs) Yeah, right, right. Whatever you want to call it. It's they receive nothing out of doing this. They're out to hurt. Either they know me or they don't, or they're just trying to hurt somebody who's trying to spread a positive message. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's very pathetic. I would never do that to somebody. I would yeah. never try to hurt them with their work and what they're passionate about. It, mm-hmm. Well, I never chances are comments. they're probably not even American. Right, right. Yeah. I, I don't know because to be honest, it's broken English. It's, it's uh, accounts that have never reviewed anything before or it's just nicknames for their accounts like i i don't know i just know that either i will win in the end and get them all taken down or it will just create more controversy and almost be great for the book and the sale yeah. so mm-hmm. they're not hurting the dogs they're not hurting me they can keep trying but mm-hmm. it's it's not gonna happen so mm-hmm. i just wanted to put that up there yeah <laughs> and don't believe every review now that you on see anything <laughs> on anything <laughs> So much has changed for me now when I read reviews. If I see a pattern, I go, okay, no, there's a pattern here that this was either intentional or, you know, personal. I don't know, but it makes me rethink now reviewing things. I'm just going to go with, do I feel this is right? This product, whatever it may be, I'm going to go for it. Yeah. Well, we, so, well, we here at the Animal Files advocate for you and we are <laughs> sorry on the matter. <laughs> 
Thank you. Oh my God. Thank you guys so much. So your book again is called Labrador Retriever with the block head. Right. What would you say is the key messages in your story? Oh, that's a good, good question. So this book is so dear to my heart. I love all three. I really do. I, I'm sometimes hard on myself a lot actually, but I'm proud of the work I've done here. And so that makes me feel good. But I have to say that this book is, is the one that I love the most because the messages that I wanted to convey in it was one, never stop being yourself. Never try to put this facade on to be accepted and to be loved because it will always hurt you in the end. And if you do everything you can to be yourself, it will work out for you in the end. So anyone who's struggling with identity issues, no matter what that may be, and then also breed discrimination. It brings awareness to dogs and all different kinds of breeds and how some of them are perceived. And then, of course, the third message is just kind of, like I said earlier, that mindset that we don't want to make a habit, that we should not carry on to our day-to-day -day lives with people, with animals, and just in general. So that's the message that I hope that is clear enough for for any reader but yeah it's whatever they interpret from it and i've had mm -hmm. so much i have to say besides that stuff that i was just telling you about i've had so much positive feedback in person or in emails and it's so heartwarming it's like all the moments that are, are really hard about writing a book and the things that aren't working out i think back to those moments and it's so worth it it's so rewarding and um, I just want to put that out there that no matter how hard something gets that you're passionate about, just, you know, think of the moments that really made it worth something. Mm -hmm. One in particular was an email I received from a woman. It'll keep her anonymous. I always have. She has two children with Tourette syndrome. Mm -hmm. And she said that the industry, the media, Hollywood makes Tourette syndrome something that it really isn't. It's different for everyone, mm. but 10% of what you see in movies, it's not true. Yeah. Or like 10% of it is true or something like that. So she can relate to this book just with that alone. Like what we hear mm. about pit bulls and the main, it's not, it's not true. So she said it was really dear to her heart reading it. And of course that made me cry just so when she shared that with me. And also they have a runt of a dog that happens to be a pit bull. And she says, I don't know what my family would do without her. Mm -hmm. So it's like this win-win of like, wow, I just learned something about mm -hmm. Tourette syndrome. And then I've also just, you know, it happens to be a family who has a pit bull. So that was one of my favorite emails. And it's probably one I will frame on my wall one day. That's um, beautiful. But it's like yes. the messages like that where, you know, you don't even think about those things, but it relates to so much. You don't really know about something unless you really take the time to be educated on it. And right. We don't like being lied to. We don't like being retrained to think a certain way, but that's kind of the beauty of life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so anyway. Yeah. Of course, sometimes we end up getting trained to think a certain way because right. of the media and right. and all of that. And we're not even aware of it. It's like, I think the mindset of a lot of people, and maybe they're not even aware of it, is that, oh, well, what the media tells me, if it's on the news, it's got to be true. It's got to be true. If the government says right. something, it's got to be true. Absolutely. And we're not questioning it. It's like, well, why are they saying these things? Right. Where are they basing their views or opinions from. 
Exactly. I agree. And it's just kind of one of those things where you have to trust your instinct and Mm kind of just see the pattern of things. If things don't add up, maybe you rethink it. You know, what makes the most sense to you? And I always feel when you follow that, you get your answer in the end. Yeah. Yeah. It's just been beautiful to see so many people have um, come up to me and, and say how the book touched them in some way. And yeah, it's, it's awesome. So mm. I'm going to keep going forward with That's it. Great. Keep on swimming. <laughs> <laughs> keep on swimming. <laughs> I will. <laughs> We've already kind of talked about this a bit throughout our conversation, but why do you believe the pit bull type dogs are being judged so harshly compared to other dogs? You guys both mentioned this in one of your episodes, and I I really feel like there's so much truth to it. It's like if you pick a specific dog that stirs up people, you know, this opinion, that opinion, it works. So go with something that works. Mm. only report only distort (laughs) you know like put a story in even if it's distorted put it in if it somehow involves a pit bull report it get it out there and i really think that they're targeted for that reason alone yeah because of their history that we can't seem to let go of which Mm -hmm. is ridiculous because we're trying to evolve and we're trying to do better Mm -hmm. yet we just keep using past things from again over 200 years ago yeah and Mm -hmm. now making that the dog's fate you know you'll hear dog was treated like family for eight years attacked baby and toddler and one is mauled and the other one was killed okay it just doesn't sound right no it doesn't what is being left out there that just doesn't happen yeah just going to show you when you hear any story so all of you listeners out there anybody who's listening to the sound of our three voices mm-hmm. if you hear a story make sure you look into the story don't yeah. take it for truth don't right. let the media sway your thought one way or another find out right. why what did the kids do did the kids start yeah. punching on the dog because they wanted to play a game. Yeah. There's something because no dog snaps for no reason. Right. So all of you out right. there, just really look into your stories before you come right. up with your judgments. Yeah. Yeah. Just going to add to that to say that, you know, this assumption, this belief that a dog attacks for no reason. The only reason it seems like that is because most of the time, by the time the dog bites or lunges or whatever it's because we have missed the previous signs of communication yep absolutely and that's on us because Mm -hmm. we haven't learned how to understand our animals we try to understand them from a human perspective of well this is how humans would behave and if a human just kind of attacks suddenly well even in that case there's probably subtle communication that we're missing too so (laughs) right right absolutely i did see a video of a young boy who actually didn't know the dog it was just a stranger's dog and the dog is in the middle of like a circle with he or she's owner and the child comes over and side punches the dog's head Mm -hmm. like the side of his fist 
hits the top of the dog's head and then like runs the other way. First of all, where was the parent? Mm-hmm. And second of all, how did the dog react? The dog looked at him, his shoulders went down, his body language changed in a way where like, if he were to have a human voice, he would say, why did you just do that to me? Exactly. And that's exactly how the dog responded. It didn't then turn around and bite his hand off. That's how he reacted. But again, that's boring. Why would that make, you know, why would that make the news? Why would that make a headline? They want to hear the other way. And I know it sounds like, you know, we have this agenda to trying to, but if you think about our agenda, we're trying to protect dogs that have such a bad reputation. When I look at my two bully girls here, they are the sweetest, like, let's leave out the word dogs for a second. They're the sweetest beings I've ever come across. Mm. They wouldn't hurt a soul. They're afraid of a mop falling on the floor. <laughs> you know, they're like, they're, they're afraid. Like my three little dogs, you said the three, would growl at them when they would come up on the couch and they would tippy toe the other way because they didn't want to upset them. And they did it with the same with my little cousins. One was pulling, believe me, I stopped it right away. But one of them, she's three, was pulling on my pitbull's face. Then she went to ride her. Mm. And this happened for a couple of minutes because she kept trying to go back on. My dog did nothing. She was just kind of giving into it, which is not fair. And eventually she just kind of sat there and moped. And it's like not every pitbull or bully breed is going to attack. And that's the thing. Like I always say there's good and bad in everyone. And I'm not saying there's bad dogs bad people but maybe they've come from such trouble some trauma you know trauma that they haven't figured out how to work through yet and now you're pulling on their ears reactive behaviors rather than right bad people and this was a dog that that we do think was abused by um she was living in a very she was living in a halfway house and she seemed a little afraid of men when we first got her so for the first year of her life we don't know what happened to her she was a rescue i didn't even buy her but I know that she loves children. She brightens up with children. She's afraid of small dogs. She'll do anything to please them. And these are the dogs that are banned. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) The one thing that we mentioned in one of our other episodes is all these stories where they say a person died of a dog attack or a pit bull attack. Mm. Child kills a pit bull attack. Mm -hmm. I have one question. What did they really die from? Right. Was it an infection? Right. Did they hit their head? Yeah. Yeah, concussion. The dog didn't kill them. I know. Maybe they got septic because they had a puncture wound or right. something like that. Yeah. yeah. And I'm I'm just tired of these headlines that say, you know, dog killed human. Right. The dog didn't kill human. Unless the right. dog went for your throat. That's what yeah. The dog is not exactly. going to kill you. That's the only time <laughs> they, they could actually kill you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's the part that is just completely distorted. Yeah. And you know, the headlines nice and quick. Yeah, I just want to add too that it's a myth that pit bull dogs have jaws that lock and won't right. open. That is a complete right. myth. And that is right. something that gets perpetuated a lot mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, right. They're strong. Very. They don't lock. <laughs> no. I mean, I've walked uh, along with them and they'll pick up a bone and I will put my mouth fully in their mouth or my mouth. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> my <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> wrong podcast. No, I, I put my, 
my hand fully in their mouth. I have, you know, for both of them and they open up and then believe it or not, our little puggle will hold on to the life of him. Like he has a, an obsession with tissues and stuff. He will hold on to that. It's just, you know, it's so crazy that they're like, once they lock down, that's it. Yeah. You know, I, again, my partner sounds like he just has bad encounters with dogs, but he really is trying to save dogs from bad situations. Yeah. But we had an incident where he was saving another Husky, not that one from, it was either a huge lab or a St. Bernard. I, I wasn't there, but this is how he described it. And it was very traumatic, but the dog got a hold of the Husky and would not let go. Two other men had to get involved in this to, they got an iron chair to push the dog's mouth away from the husky because wow. it had it by the neck. And my boyfriend was doing everything to make sure that that dog didn't choke out the husky. But it locked on. It not locked on, but it wouldn't let go. And again, if that were a pit bull, oh my God, forget it. You know, but yeah. It, yeah, if a dog is determined, they're not going to let go. And any dog, any, any dog. dog, a chihuahua. Yeah. Yes, you yeah. know, ever we said, oh, they're such sweet. No, they're not right. sweet dogs. No. I love chihuahuas. Don't I know. get me wrong, right? But they're a dog just as much as a shepherd or a yes, yeah. And they have very unique personalities, and they can be nasty, and they can yeah. be super sweet. And we can't judge. I mean, a chihuahua is not going to do a lot of damage, but heck, if a person's dying of septic, uh, yeah. chihuahuas have teeth. They can absolutely. Absolutely. And if you see the dogs that are in training for military, I mean, actually an ex-boyfriend of mine is father trained dogs for military security police. And they were always like Belgian shepherds, German shepherds. The way these dogs grip on, they're not letting go <laughs> at all. <laughs> they're just, you know, you can swing them like this. They're not letting go. I, I think you mentioned it before that if pitbulls were so untrainable and so unpredictable then why is the police academy the military now using pit bulls or bully type dogs exactly and so that's when you have to sit there and question you know the person your neighbor or something who leaves their dog outside doesn't socialize the dog never takes them for walks leaves them in a kennel all day you know doesn't show any sort of compassion to the dog and then it lashes out well Okay. Was it because it was a pit bull or was it because the environment it was in, it wasn't getting the proper training or the proper, um, mm -hmm. you know, care exactly. that it deserved. So when it's in a setting where it's being trained to be a police dog, I mean, obviously they put trust in this dog. They evaluate these dogs before they bring them in. It's not like, oh, that's a good looking dog. Let's bring exactly. him in. Or, yep. you know, he looks strong. Look at that jaw. Like they're going to, a full assessment. They're not messing around with that. So, hmm. yeah. And they're also used in therapy now, pit bulls. I follow one. He's a deaf pit bull and he's amazing. And he goes around to different schools and, and retirement hmm. homes and veterans. And my God, that dog is, he's so loved. So how can you question that after you see something like that? Exactly. Hmm. Yep. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> my next question may be a little more difficult <laughs> to That's okay. answer, but <laughs> you yeah. already mentioned about how humans tend to be a judgmental species. Right. Why do you think that we are prone to judging ourselves and others and have a difficult time with acceptance? There's so much pressure. There's so much pressure, especially in today's society, 
as much as social media has helped spread awareness on tough subjects and ways of thinking and all that, it's also done so much damage to one's mm -hmm. confidence. Mm -hmm. I mean, even if you sit there and go, I don't care about likes and follows. And I mean, if especially if you have a business on Instagram and you see one blossoming and then yours is kind of, it's kind of all right. Like it will do something to your, your ego and you will feel like maybe you're not good enough. And if it's not just, you know, are you, are you doing something wrong? And it's not just social media. It's, there's so many distractions today. There's so many, you know, we're, we're just constantly trying to be like this image that maybe we see or we hear is successful. And I think a lot of people don't like to admit that they're trying their best to be, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. It is hard <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to like match up to that, you yeah. know, and it's almost impossible because everyone has a different journey and then you don't know exactly what's going on in a person's life. It's crazy. Like I, like I said, I've met people through social media and then I've gotten to know them personally. They were nothing like they seem to be on their profiles and, and how the world sees them. And so I think we just form this judgmental mindset, or maybe you've had a coach or a teacher or a parent or uncle just say you weren't good enough in something that you were passionate about. It yeah. doesn't end there. If it's not addressed and if it's not worked on, then you'll carry that mindset into everything you do. Conditioning is a big thing for a right. lot yes. of things. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I really feel like that's why we as a species are so judgmental towards ourselves and a lot mm -hmm. of things um, that we run into in life. Yeah. It may also go back to like anthropological reasons too. Right. I mean, if you think about before, you know, when we were all hunter and gatherers, mm -hmm. pretty much it was your tribe against another tribe. Yes. We all lived isolated right. and you don't know if you were to get along with this one tribe, you don't know if they were going to take all the stuff that you had, you right. know, so, right. you know, the, I think there's an anthropological aspect mm -hmm. to that as well, but that goes way back. And I think right. we've evolved since then. So. I know. <laughs> yeah. That's I the thing that, that people forget. Oh. If we were the same that we were like hundreds or thousands of years ago, I mean, my God, we were monsters at the time yeah. uh, in, in a lot of ways. So it's just kind of the same, you know, you can't go back into the history of, you know, a dog was bred to fight. A dog was bred. Ugh. Yes, maybe they could handle it. But, well, they didn't start out as fighting dogs. No. And I think no. we have to remember that, that the breeds that they are using to make this conglomeration of right. a breed Right. Again, it's not a breed. It's a group exactly. of dogs that fall under a label. Exactly. But, you know, they didn't start out that way. Right. Again, we humans destroyed them. Right. So, you know, they weren't bred to be a certain way. They were bred after the fact for yeah. certain people to right. do certain things. But exactly. that is abuse. That is not, you can't breed right. evil into no, a dog. No, no. You can't breed <laughs> badness into a dog. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It doesn't happen. It's just, yes. it's so true. Like, I know my dogs 
they don't get away with things. They are very well trained. We believe that in order for a dog to thrive, there has to be dog, like you have to dominate them in a way. Love them unconditionally, but yeah. dominate. Yes, you have to set boundaries. Before I feed my dogs, and I hope a lot of people do this, it shouldn't be that uncommon. I make them sit, I put the bowls down, I make them stay, and they wait for me to say, go for it. And my one pit, I'll walk away in the other room, and usually she's done before the other one. And then I'll come back and she's like sitting, waiting for me to say, go for it. And she'll like clean up the rest of my <laughs> the other pet's <laughs> dish. But she's sitting there. She's waiting yeah. for my approval. Mm -hmm. Then the other day, I know it sounds careless and irresponsible. And it was, I, I truly believe it was, but I stepped away for a second and all four dogs were eating, but I do have them eating close. So I had them trained that way that no matter the situation, they're not going to attack each other. It's just not, it's not going to happen because we have them so trained. Yeah. And so when I walked in to get my little dog's food and brought them out and the big girls were eating, the, little, the boys, the little ones came up to their bowls and were eating out of the plate with them. They were sharing. Now, so many people would have predicted that those pit bulls would have eaten the dog's hole and that would have been the end of them, or they would have snapped or they would have given them a warning. I came in, they were, they actually like moved over, you know, and were sharing their food. And that's when they say dogs are most aggressive, which they are. But if you give them the right training and set the right boundaries, you can have so much hope for these dogs and, and give them the trust that they deserve. So I'm not saying everyone should do that because I, I do regret doing it because you never know, but we're doing our best to make sure that doesn't happen. And that's called being a responsible owner. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So the last question that I have was, this is based on one of the messages that you've got in your book, the mm -hmm. Labrador Retriever book is what challenges do you feel can arise when a person pretends to be someone that they're not when it starts to become their reality? I truly believe that it's very dangerous for anyone to feel like they have to change who they are to be accepted because you will start to believe this identity that you're now trying to, you know, pull off. And if it's not who you are, you know, I'm not a therapist or anything like that, but I know from experience, it can lead to, to mental illness. It can lead to so many things that are dangerous. If we are trying to be someone we're not to seek approval by whomever that may be, it's not a safe route. And that is one way where we are improving as a society or trying to at least, where, you know, it's definitely, you know, you get, you receive a little bit more support nowadays for, for being who you are, even if that means you're out there. And so I feel like that should be the case for dogs. If mm -hmm. a pimple... <laughs> I don't know, sometimes when my dog's playing at the park, she has this loud bark, you know, and I'm, I, I know some owners kind of look over like, oh, is she attacking the other dog? And they have a loud bark. She's not going <laughs> to sound like a Pomeranian, like my dog is rah, rah, rah. like, don't <laughs> change that about her. That's, she's got a big, thick bark. So I shouldn't have to go, oh, don't bark. You're scaring everyone because right. that's changing who she is. She's not hurting anyone. But mm -hmm. her bark is not going to be high pitched like a shepherd or, or something like that. You know, I did want to bring up a quick thing that somebody told me that I thought was very interesting. 
she said her insurance company because a lot of insurance companies ask what kind of breed you have which is very frustrating but one in particular and i don't know which one it was they said that they didn't even have pit bulls on the list because they didn't consider them a breed <laughs> and the german shepherds i mean i don't like to hear any dogs on the list but german right. shepherds and huskies and chows and akitas they were all on the list and i just thought that was interesting though because that was a shock to me that this insurance company or some insurance companies don't recognize pit bulls as a breed because they're not so at least they were educated going into it instead of like oh you have a pit bull breed well we can't take you <laughs> you know yeah. so i i just wanted to throw that in before i forgot and um, <laughs> yeah you shouldn't change who you are for anyone yeah yeah well it's 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 an interesting thing when it comes to trying to be someone else is that that's just a right. human thing that ends up happening. Yeah. No yeah. other living being does that. Right. Right. You know, I mean, they don't think the way humans do and they don't feel the need to try to hide who they are. Right. Right. Yeah. And whatever animals they're just know how to be. Yes. Right. They, they do. And that's why there's such a, uh, in my next book, it's a sequel to Labrador Retriever, the blockhead. And one of the new characters in the book is a special needs dog. She's a, a paraplegic dog. Mm. And so many people have this mindset that they should be euthanized immediately. Now let's look at the injury. Is it causing them pain? If it's not, and then the, you can use therapy or, or a wheelchair or whatever that may be, or a prosthetic, then let them be because those dogs will show you within a week how much they're enjoying life if they just got hit by a car or if they lost the use of their back legs. Our French bulldog lost the back use of his legs just overnight. We, we saw it happening, but he never walked again. That dog still had the same beautiful spirit still playful and happy as he was when he had the use of all four legs. So I feel like there's such a role model that gets hit away so much that yeah. these, these special needs animals will really teach humans a lesson oh, on yeah. how, you know, how you can get through life, no matter what's thrown at you. Mm -hmm. You currently have three books that you have already published. Right. The first one was Adventure at Rainbow Bridge. Mm -hmm. Your second one was Cruelty Free is the Way to Be. Mm -hmm. And your most recent one is The Labrador Retriever with the Blockhead, right? Is that correct? Yes. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> Not <laughs> everyone gets the titles correctly. So, awesome. <laughs> so where can people find these? My books are available on many online websites, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, Walmart, eBay, kind of the list goes on with the, with the, the very like well-known sites. I think mm -hmm. even Google Books. So you can find them on there. Yeah, that's where you can buy them. I do some in-person visits. If, if you're local in the Los Angeles area, you can always buy a book at an event. And it usually goes back to an animal rescuer sanctuary because mm -hmm. I like to put on fundraisers. Mm -hmm. But yeah, those are the spots where you can purchase the book. Are there different versions or is it just a physical yeah. book? That yeah, I believe all of them. There's um, there's no audio, but there is ebook, uh, paperback and hardcover. The middle book, Cruelty Free is a Way to Be, because it's more like a guidance book. So I picture it as like a brochure, but 
It's oh, not cool. really. I, I only have that as ebook and paperback, so it's not hardcover. Okay. So yeah. And you also would like us to add that we already sort of talked about this a little bit, but if someone is a teacher who would like for you to read in your classroom, or you are a parent who thinks that this could be a good idea for your child's class, or maybe you might be associated with some kind of rescue school mm -hmm. program or pet loss group, then mm -hmm. they can reach out to you at alwaysfairbooks at gmail.com. There you go. Yep. And we can add that into the Yes, please well. do. Yeah, anything you want to write me personally, or if you want to collaborate on something, just like Miranda said, please email me at that address and I'll get back to you. And I love the play on that because it's uh, always fair books and yeah. it's your name. Yes. I think it's pretty cool. Thank you. All the all the books and uh, just and fair. So I, I wanted to yeah. throw my legal name into my branch. <laughs> it was first like, do I do book fair? You know, take advantage of the word book fair. But you know, these are tough topics and I'm sure the people going into them are like, wait, do they end fair? They do. So that's why that's the message behind the brand. Always fair books. Yes. They're always a happy it. ending. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. So, and if, if you want to follow Sabrina at all, um, you can find her on Instagram at always fair books. Very easy to remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's where I'm most active. Mm -hmm. Cool. So make sure you follow her. <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> well, it's been a wonderful, lovely conversation. It really has. We're so grateful that you were able to join us today on the podcast and that we are able to tag this onto our Pitbull series because I think it yes. really, really fits well. It's perfect timing. And I really felt like I was at a coffee shop with two girlfriends. So thanks. Oh, you oh, both no. are very, very good hosts because oh, you have to match. Yeah, I have to say it because you have a natural flow about you. You just interact so beautifully and I appreciate that as a guest. So I wanted to put that out there. Well, <laughs> we greatly much. appreciate that. <laughs> You're welcome. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, thank you all for joining us. And thank you. If you just remember, her name is Sabrina Fair. <laughs> <laughs> Andronica. There you um, go. Yep. And just look her up, give her a follow and buy your books. Oh, thank buy you. Your books. <laughs> so thank you very much. And uh, we'd love to have you back. Oh, absolutely. When you get a new book, let yeah. us know. We'll pop you on. We'll revisit the second one, which is such a powerful topic i'd love to discuss that with ladies i'm even a big fan of the rainbow bridge one because oh, yes. I, yeah. I i'm a big believer in understanding the whole process and yes. i think yes. i think the grief that comes is very important Absolutely. in um growth so right. i think that would be another another great topic yeah so. to confront those emotions is so good for your healing and mm -hmm. i'd love to talk about those two books more in depth and i'm glad we gave yeah. some time to this book yeah awesome good timing awesome so thanks again for joining us sabrina best luck on all of your books and all of your endeavors and thank you so much for joining us today thank you ladies have it a was, wonderful week it was a pleasure having you thank you so much bye bye have a bye. great night bye what a lovely conversation it was talking with Sabrina. We had so much fun. We're so glad we were able to give her a platform for her amazing books. And if you want to know anything else about her, just make sure you go to our website, theanimalfilespodcast.com. And we will be having all of that information on our website. 
We will also have it in the show notes. So check that out as well. And, uh, you know, make sure you follow us too. Which you can find all on our website. So you don't have to go to each individual platform and try to search for us. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, hey, you want anything about the animal files, just go to the website. You can even buy merchandise and you can donate and you can join the Patreon too. And there's a link to our brand new YouTube channel, which is coming very soon. So get in there. So you're first in line for the first time that we start to upload our videos and you can uh, subscribe. And of course, there's always the email, the animal files podcast at gmail.com. So hit us up with your questions, your topic ideas, anything that you want to send our way. And I guess that's it for today. Yes. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this series on pit bulls. We're probably going to pop in a couple more pit bull things this season because it's a really important topic. And I know it can be controversial, but we really want to change the narrative around these beautiful creatures. So mm -hmm. make sure you keep an eye out for that and, you know, follow, subscribe, like all the things. And with that, have a great day. Bye. Bye, everyone. Hey, folks, I just want to pop in real quick. We did this interview while I was on vacation using different equipment. So if the audio is off, it doesn't sound as warm as usual. Don't worry, it'll be back to normal with our next one. Thank you so much for staying with us and we will see you in the next one. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to rate, review, and recommend the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want some more great info, be sure to check out www.theanimalfilespodcast.com.